Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL Strategy Show, the first of two on this wonderful Monday morning. I'm Dave Lockeran. With me, Matt Kajeski, and we're talking Monday night football. Look, it's been a weird year, okay? It's been a weird year in that certain games have been postponed for later in the season, some of them just a couple days down the road. Now, Matt, we've had several weeks. This will be the third week, as a matter of fact, where we've got double-header Monday night football games, one of them kicking off, be careful about this, at 5 p.m. Eastern, the next one at 8.15. We got back-to-back double-header action for the third time in six weeks this season. There's always a silver lining to everything, and when it comes to this pandemic, two Monday night football games is pretty awesome. Yeah, man, and a couple of weeks ago, they were overlapped. I I love the early start yeah. time. I know some people with with day jobs that are trying to set these lines, maybe that's not ideal for, I mean, you and I, I'm going to be soaking up this football for the full six hours tonight, six hours plus. Oh, damn right. I, I watch every bit that I can. I might, yeah, that, I might have to help the wife with a thing here or there. We're, we're, um, we're having a girl, Matt, and I thought it was going to be a boy, to be quite honest with you. We were convinced, right? But I'm still very excited. Um, in February, so I'm I'm painting the new the, the the nursery. What do you call it? We'll call it a baby's room. And I get real frustrated when I start painting. Like I think it's a great idea, and I, and I do it. And then the moment I I go to do where the ceiling meets the wall, and I get some on the ceiling, I want to jump out the window. So I would rather do nothing than watch football. And I think I'm just going to throw the TV up in there and paint and watch the games at the same time. You can't say anything to me then, right? There's ways to get around stuff. And in this case, if I just paint and watch the game, what can you really say to me? Oh, I think that's a great strategy. Plus, a lot of downtime in football. You just take your breaks when it's commercial break, when they're reviewing plays. It's all good. That's a great idea. Yeah, it's going to be the worst paint job ever. But that's (laughs) Hey, we're happy to have all of you guys with us, as always. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. Hopefully you all had a great week six so far, a good weekend, and we can keep this train rolling into Monday night. Let's do uh, let's do a little bit of this first. Kansas City, Buffalo, 55-point uh, total, and then Arizona, uh, Dallas, depending on where you're looking, 55, 54 and a half. So 
two very high expected totals today, Matt. But I just want to ask you, uh, anything shocking from yesterday? Anything stand out to you as WTF type of moments? I'll give you mine. You give us yours. And then we'll move on. And if you guys have anything in chat, I'd love to hear it. Because some crazy shit happened yesterday. For me, Aaron Rodgers having maybe the worst performance I've ever seen. I'm sure it isn't. I'm sure there are others out there. But statistically, and even just watching him, I cannot believe how poorly he played. I loved him on the afternoon slate. I loved Devontae Adams. And that could not have gone any more wrong than it did against the Bucs, who whooped him 38-10. Yeah, I, I was definitely not expecting that either. I had quite a bit of that game, and it did not go well for the Packers side. I was playing a lot of MBS, a lot of Adams. That wasn't great. I guess surprising to me was seeing Travis Fulgham with another 10 targets. It seems like this guy might actually be for real. And I mean, Miles Sanders going down with a knee injury. It's just like the year of the injury here. And it's so sad to see all these guys going down. We lost a couple others to Mark Ingram, Raheem Mostert. We'll have to see how serious they are. Again, it's, I feel like every week it's just been who's hurt now. It does feel that way. It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate, but Hopefully everybody stays healthy today. You ready to kick this off? Two games to get to. Yeah, man. We have some really good talent in these games, too. I'm pumped. Yeah, so am I. Oh, and by the way, guys, I was looking at the numbers. 50, 58% of the people that watch our videos are subscribed, which means uh, 42% of you aren't. Let's change that. You can immediately unsubscribe if you don't like what you're seeing here. We'll refund your misery. No questions asked. But... Hit that subscribe. You always know when we've got new content coming out. Plus, if you don't want to get notified, you don't have to hit the notification bell. If you do, that's a great way to do it. But either way, it really it helps us out a ton, and it helps us expand our reach, and it's a win-win. It's a quid pro quo here. You help us. We help you. All right, Kansas City and Buffalo. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs laying five-and-a-half points on the road, 55-point total, Matt. Uh, last week... We saw Buffalo get spanked by the Tennessee Titans. As a matter of fact, that was only five or six days ago. And now you've got the Tennessee Titans yesterday running wildcat formation, direct snap to Derrick Henry to win that game in overtime. They've been very impressive, and I read them all wrong coming into the year. On the other hand, though, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs, who were down 16 points in the fourth quarter to the Oakland uh, the Las Vegas Raiders and ended up dropping that game to go to four and one. So two previously undefeated teams at four and one come into this game or four and come into this game at four and one. It should be fun. I expect a bounce back from both teams in that. I think this is going to be a close game, Matt. I agree with you. We saw this open closer to a field goal. I believe Kansas city opened minus two and a half. And Kansas City, a lot of the time, just with the popularity with the public, they catch a lot of steam late in the week, as they have here. But I agree with you. There's not too many injuries to look at in these games. So I think with two healthy teams, we should see bounce backs from both sides. All right. So talk to me. We're looking at the Kansas City Chiefs on the road here again, five and a half point favorites. You've got Patrick Mahomes. Um, you, you have so many talented weapons, and you already alluded to that. Just uh, an embarrassment of talent across the board, not just in this game, but on this two game slate in general. And you've got a million dollars going the first place on DraftKings. It's pretty much the entire prize pool, but Hey, <laughs> if you win good stuff, you got Terry kill $6,700, uh, Kelsey, 6,900 Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. And then of course we'll get into that backfield in a moment, but I want to close that the team out with that 
Let's start with the passing game with Mahomes and the like. Mahomes has disappointed a little bit this year. If you just look at statistical numbers, only 7.6 yards per attempt, completing just shy of 64% of his passes. There's still the wild plays and stuff, but this isn't Mahomes like we've seen in the past. And I'm not sure what happened. A lot of it was, you know, last week down game against Las Vegas. I think he'll bounce back. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. Just something worth noting right away. As far as his pass catchers, I think when we look at the whole scope of the slate, we have an interesting dilemma with Travis Kelsey. He's the only good tight end. I mean, there's some intrigue, I guess, in a guy like Dalton Schultz. But Travis Kelsey, we've seen this before. When he's the only good tight end on the slate, do you fade him based on ownership? Do you just play him to play him? And then if you're running that stack, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill generally comes in with a little bit lower ownership. So do you play him for leverage? That's a a real interesting question, I think, right away with this Chiefs offense is how you approach the tight end position. Do you just jam in Kelsey or do you look to fade? Right. Well, let's take a look at the rest. Okay, so as far as Travis Kelsey goes, if you're rostering him at 6,900, the rest of the position falls off a cliff. Uh, You just talked about it. Do you jam him in? Do you fade him? And if you do fade him, what do you do? Now, yesterday, say on the night site, for example, the afternoon site, if you faded Tanyan, who was getting a lot of ownership, and Mike Gusecki as well, both of them absolute garbage, and went with a Rob Gronkowski. Hell, even an Adam Shaheen, because two tight ends scored for Miami, and Mike Gusecki didn't even have a catch. But if you get past Kelsey, you're talking Dalton Schultz, Tyler Croft, Dan Arnold. It gets really ugly down there. So we already know the ownership on Travis Kelsey is going to be exorbitant. It's going to be massive. And I mean, for good reason, if we just look at Tyreek Hill versus Travis Kelsey recently, Tyreek Hill hasn't eclipsed six targets in any of his last three games. And that doesn't matter so much with a guy like Tyreek Hill just because of his skill set and the offense he's playing in. He's a threat for a big play any week of the year. Travis Kelsey, however, had 12 targets last week, and he has a 25% target share compared to Tyreek Hill's 19. So right away, that just looks better as well. I think in... Secure game environments, you know, not, not these large field Millie Maker type tournaments. I think you just roster Kelsey. Like cash games, I think you just roster Kelsey. Right now, his ownership is coming in at. Um, oh, actually, we don't have it updated yet. All right, I'm going to get on Alex and see if he can update this this two game ownership slate for us because that would be extremely helpful. Your favorite pass catching options from this team, and let me ask you this because. I don't just want to talk about these teams in a vacuum. It's not going to help anyone. Uh, let's kind of we'll talk about them from a, a broader perspective, zoom out a little bit. Patrick Mahomes is the most expensive quarterback, but he's not much more expensive than Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. And then you've got Andy Dalton down there that we'll discuss later. I think he's egregiously underpriced, no matter how much you dislike the guy uh, or, or how little faith you have in him. His weapons are insane in Dallas, and it's very possible that he stumbles into a decent game. He's got a passing prop of 289 and a half yards, the same as Kyler Murray. So how much of a priority is someone like Patrick Mahomes at the top of the position today? You mentioned it. Andy Dalton is egregiously priced. I think he's my favorite quarterback, just price adjusted on the entire slate. And you'll probably still get some leverage with him just because of the the name value surrounding the expensive quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, we know he's going to carry some ownership And then Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, they're stars at the position as well. If we're paying up at quarterback, I don't really like getting a lot of Kyler Murray just because Patrick Mahomes is 200 more. And if Kyler Murray doesn't get it done with his legs, he hasn't been passing efficiently this year. 
I think stacking Mahomes is interesting because of some of these ancillary pass catchers with Sammy Watkins ruled out. We have Miko Harmon and Demarcus Robinson just also egregiously cheap on this slate. So they kind of open up these avenues to get to Travis Kelsey, to get to Mahomes. So I don't think making Andy Dalton is necessarily a priority. He is very cheap, but there's other cheap options to make this work. Okay. So jokes on me, by the way, Alex just DM me the, uh, the ownership, if you are a premium sub at Osmo, the ownership is under main slate. So main slate ownership is where you can find it. No surprise here. 77.4% ownership on Travis Kelsey. That is the highest of any player on this slate. You know who is the second highest, Matt? No, I don't. I I was also on Monday slate and haven't glanced at uh, main slate yet. I hadn't either. I did not know. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 67%. What are you thinking here about the KC backfield tonight? So I think that makes sense. Looking at his price, he's almost 2K cheaper than Ezekiel Elliott, but we've seen him in the situation. Two weeks ago, that was two weeks ago, right, where we had KC on a two-game slate, and you and I were like, take out a loan on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he bossed it on us. Very disappointing. Yeah. He's in the same situation, the same exact situation. He's seeing all of the work, pass-catching rule secure, red zone rule secure, somehow hasn't been able to punch anything into the end zone. And if you look at matchup, Buffalo is allowing 5.0 yards per carry. That's sixth in the NFL. So literally, again, the stars are aligning for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Okay. What do you think the backfield breakdown looks like in Kansas City today? I still think it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire handing most of the opportunities. Do you have a different take on that? I don't. I, I, I don't. Okay, so let, let, let's, say, let's say this much. Before... Before we had Le- Le'Veon Bell, is um, is he officially out or in? I'm seeing a bunch of different uh, a bunch of different stuff on this. Last I checked, he was out. Okay, all right. I saw something. I saw something that was published uh, not long ago, like this morning, that said uh, he may make his debut. So I wanted to be clear. It, I it could be it, it could just be something that was reposted, um, and they you know what I mean. And then they they hadn't updated it. You talking but, about this Fox News report? I just pulled it up. Um, no, there was a different one. I'd have to find it. What's okay. that one say? All right. Anyway, I yeah, don't it, see him playing. He hasn't practiced either. Yeah, it, there, I don't think there's any way he does. I just wanted to make sure we had that cleared up because it's a pretty important factor uh, coming into a slate like this. But I think when he does play, it's going to eat into to. Clyde Edwards-Alaire's production a lot. And I don't think today we have – this is a spot where at $6,000, you just keep running him out there. Like you said, we said take – do whatever you can to get him in your lineups last week. Uh, And it ended very poorly for us. He's actually, as a matter of fact, Matt, not been that good. You know, as a rookie, he's been fine. I wouldn't take anything away from him. I don't think he's been bad. Uh, And he hasn't. But – he hasn't given us what we've needed. If you if you drafted someone like uh, Edwards Alaire in the in the first round, he was going like sixth, seventh, eighth overall. You're not exactly stoked about what he's done thus far. But it's six thousand uh, dollars. Yes, he's the second highest priced running back, but he's way behind Ezekiel Elliott, and he's sandwiched in there between Singletary. And there really aren't that many super appealing running backs on this slate. No, I agree with you. 
I still think that's the reasons why you like Edward Solaire. If you're just looking at regression candidates, he's basically the top regression candidate at the running back position. And now we get him at 6K in a good matchup against Buffalo. Again, we've we've rolled the dice on this situation like four or five times now. It's cost me money every single time. But I feel like you have to do it when we don't have other options. Yeah, I know. And aside from that, you look at the Buffalo side of this game, and now you're talking about someone in Devin Singletary who – I'm a, I, we all know I'm a big Devin Singletary guy, but, and last week, you know, I'm willing to write that off as a game where they were playing from behind. But even, even with that in mind, he was only targeted one time in that game. Uh, Zach Moss was a late addition to the inactive list, but he has practiced for like every day this week. And we expect him to make his return. He does not have an injury designation coming into tonight's game. What are you doing with, let's start actually with the backfield in Buffalo because it's a little bit less clear uh, than other spots here. They put Devin Singletary into a timeshare last week with Yeldon. So I think it's going to immediately go back to like the 50-50 split. Not exactly 50-50, but maybe a 60-40 split. And we already had Devin Singletary basically stripped of a red zone role early in the year. The first two weeks when Zach Moss was active, Zach Moss handled 13 and eight touches completely siphoned the red zone work, actually saw some targets in the past game. He had four in that span. So I think he'll be a factor tonight. How much? Not sure. It was just poor to see, you know, TJ Yeldon used last week after we'd seen two games of the Devin Singletary bell cow. I, I don't think we get it. I don't think we do either. And it's unfortunate because Devin Singletary, if you give him that, if you give him the opportunity, I think you're going to see some really solid performances from him. But hey, the last two weeks, he's been wildly underwhelming on the ground. He had a real opportunity to, to without Zach Moss in the uh, in the offense, to really put a statement down. And that didn't happen. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty worried about this run game for them. I, I'd say as Singletary 5,100, it's not an insane price point, but uh, I definitely have some concerns, and I don't know if you need to get there. We'll also talk about some running back spots, even maybe some value in this second game of the doubleheader. But Josh Allen, last game, really the first time we saw him with any real notable struggles, Matt. And, you know, he threw two touchdowns. He still had a, an okay line, but nothing close to what we've seen from him through the four weeks previous to this. Now, he comes into a spot against Kansas City, a Kansas City team that I'll be completely honest with you. They confused the hell out of me last week because we saw them come out and absolutely put down the put the clamps on a bunch of opposing team secondaries and some of them very solid ones to be exact. Baltimore 158 passing yards. I know it's not a high passing volume offense, but Lamar Jackson's been pretty efficient. Uh all in all, they they really really have 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 struggled in that respect. Uh, or have been very good, I'm sorry. And then they had cough up 347 passing yards to Derek Carr. Deep balls galore. Any shot that he took downfield, he had a receiver wide open. Henry Ruggs, listen, the kid's going to be great. No one in within 20 yards of him. Nelson Aguilar. We saw Nelson Aguilar get wide open for a long touchdown. Darren Waller caught several passes downfield. What happened to that Kansas City defense last week? I think that's probably something that we need to uh, to dissect before we talk about this passing game for Buffalo. I'm not sure what happened. It was it, so they got Bashad Breeland back last week, and he actually he played really well. And I think 
we saw some other guys like Traverius Ward and, and Juan Thornhill get absolutely dusted. Tyron Matthew playing a lot in the slot did not have a game either. All three of those guys allowed touchdowns. I think this is a bounce back spot. Sometimes we just see these defenses get taken advantage of. And, you know, maybe this is just the regression from what we expected from Kansas City early in the year. I don't any, I think anyone expected them to be an absolutely elite shutdown secondary. So I don't know, maybe it is just a little bit of regression from the beginning part of the year and they're not the secondary to be feared that maybe people thought they were after four games. Okay, so what are you doing with ja- uh, what are you doing with Josh Allen? Uh, how are you approaching him and Stefan Diggs and really a-, a pretty solid stable of pass catchers? John Brown was also someone who last week ended up not playing. Do you have him in or out for tonight? What well, last week we thought he was going to play. I remember you I and I just yeah, and he practiced. He had the same practice schedule this week, limited the whole time. He's one more week you know, just extended going through that rehab. So I would guess he plays, but again, thought the same thing last week. He ended up sitting. He's below Cole Beasley on the Slayton price. And he's very clearly their wide receiver too when healthy. I think if we get active John Brown, he's a fantastic target. I do have interest in stacking Buffalo just from a contrarian standpoint. They're in a really high total game. Kansas City has shown leaks in the past game at times this year, particularly last week. And then you get a guy in Allen who offers something with his legs too. He has 100 rushing yards this year. We've seen what he's done in the past. I'm more than comfortable getting to him as a contrarian option. And then the stacking options are clear. Stefan Diggs had 16 targets last week. John Brown's at 4K. If John Brown sits, Gabriel Davis had nine targets. He's 3.5K. All these guys are viable. Yeah. Um, the, the more I look at this game, the more I worry that that Buffalo might get smoked again. I, I just starting to put a few more pieces together in my head here. Uh, may, may, I hope I'm wrong, Matt. I hope we get a competitive game here. Uh, but the tight end position, normally we wouldn't talk about it here with Buffalo, but we kind of need to given the, the dearth of options that we have on this two-game slate. Is there anybody that you can consider at a discounted price point? Yeah, I think you can look to Tyler Croft. I don't feel good about it, but he's... 3,200. So, I mean, look, I, I do not want to pivot from Travis Kelsey, but like it's going to be Tyler Croft. It's going to be Dan Arnold, or it's going to be Dalton Schultz. If you want to just play the ownership game. So if you're fading based on that, you're going to have to play one of these bad tight ends. So, Oh God. So, okay. Let me ask you this because I want to make sure we hit on everything. And I think you touched on it a little bit, but just to circle back here, because it could make a, a very big difference uh, in, in how everything breaks down today or how everything shakes out at the end of the night. With Sammy Watkins ruled out and Kansas City having a bunch of guys that can kind of just replace him, is there anybody here at just a very solid discount, a very steep discount that you think needs to be someone that we're really looking into today at at good value because as you know there's a lot of expensive players on this slate while there's a lot of great players many of them are very expensive you might have to come in with some good value yeah so we saw Mecole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson both run a route on over 70 percent of the homeless dropbacks last week Sammy went out pretty early in that game so we actually got to see a decent sample of how they'll play with Sammy out of the offense we saw Mecole get three targets, Demarcus Robinson get four. They're essentially both on the field for 100% of the snaps. Demarcus is 33, Mecole's 42. I think if you just need a complete punt, Demarcus Robinson's fine. Do you have a different take on this? I think Mecole's the more expo- explosive player, 
but he'll be more owned and DeMarcus is cheaper in the same role. So I kind of like getting down to Robinson. So right now, DeMarcus Robinson, 8.6% projected ownership. Miko Hardman at 23%. I have the same opinion as you here in that neither of these guys are ultra reliable. And when you have Tyree Kill and, and Edward Dallaire and Travis Kelsey in an offense, they don't necessarily need to be, right? But we have seen um, we have seen Patrick Mahomes take a couple shots downfield with both of them this year. Like you said, I think McCall Hardman is undoubtedly the most explosive. He's the guy that that, that is the better play. But when he's getting um, when he's getting three times the ownership, that changes things a little bit for me. And let me let me just see. Let me just pull something up here because the deep ball is something that when it comes to value, guys, you definitely have some interest in. Um, so DeMarcus Robinson has been targeted four times, 20 plus yards downfield this year, uh, 15 targets overall Hardman three times on 20 plus yards downfield, 17 targets overall. So, um, as far as some, some deep attempts go ability to make a big splash play, DeMarcus Robinson is certainly not trailing behind Miko Hardman in that category. For sure. They're both used in similar ways. And I don't think that's talked about enough. People just want, people love Miko Hardman. They've seen the splash plays, the punt returns, and they want him to be something, but he just hasn't. He's been in a timeshare with Demarcus Robinson, and they're both going to play a similar role tonight. Okay. Anything else on this one before we move it over to Arizona and Dallas? Yeah, just for clarity, if you didn't know why we're talking about Tyler Croft, Dawson Knox is out. That That's why. All right. So, We've got a ton of stuff over there at Awesome. You'll hear about the ownership projections, the player projections, the top stack tool, which is highly important, not just for football, but for so many other sports. Uh, the top player tool when it comes to showdown sites where you can check, like if, if you were to go to that, Jordan uh, Jordan Klein produced it. Jordan, see if you can pull up the uh, the, the top plays tool for, for the showdown sites. It's probably an old one because we don't have showdowns today. Well, I guess we do, but the big one is going to be uh, the two-game site. But it gives you, you know, the percentage chance that they finish number one, uh, and then I think number two through six. So it's catered specifically to the format and showdown. These are tools that are really going to help you build lineups and make those right decisions. Uh, all of our showdown content, you can get that for $3.95 a week in the NFL Express package. It's awesome. We just beefed it up, added all of that on top of all of the stuff that was already in our Express package, our Express Weekly package. But if you're looking for football, baseball, basketball, um, uh, hockey, UFC, NASCAR, PGA, all of it, right, uh, even League of Legends, the Awesome O Plus Platinum will get you all of that. You can do weekly pass. You can do monthly, annual, whatever you want. Go to awesomeo.com slash join. All of the tools we have, uh, the ownership, the player projections, the, the, the top player tools, the top stacks, the rankings, all of that stuff uh, created by Alex Baker himself, used by Alex Baker to build his lineups and to win a ton of money, a lot more than we ever have playing DFS. Uh, and he's the number one ranked player in the world for a reason. These are really his projections. We don't just put his name on it uh, and say, hey, Alex Baker's projections. No, it's not how we do things around here. Uh, and that's why we've had so many people have such great success. I swear, I see someone with an awesome avatar at the top of contest every day when I'm scrolling through DraftKings. Uh, and that is you know, a testament to, to what type of tools you have to work with here. 
Got the Fantasy Cruncher add-on as well. If you're an MME player, that's huge, uh, and so much more. So head over there, awesome.com slash join. And if you do have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. My DMs uh, reluctantly are open at Laffy underscore D. Give me a follow while you're at it. Same with Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. All right, Matt. Arizona and Dallas. Another game with a 54-point total. The uh, Both teams have 27-plus point implied totals, too. So we're just expecting to see a lot of scoring on this slate. The Cowboys laying only one point. It's essentially a pick em here. But I've got to ask you, and I saw I saw Dallas at minus one and a half on DraftKings uh, when I was scrolling through Odd Shopper to uh, to see where the best uh, odds were, best lines were. Vegas has really given Dallas the benefit of the doubt in pretty much every single game this season. And when I say Vegas, I really mean the money that's coming in on these games uh, is pushing towards Dallas in a lot of cases. So they're still favored. And with, that's with Andy Dalton at the helm. And this is an Arizona team that has had some good, good games and some really ugly games. Uh, on the season thus far, they're three and two, while Dallas has won one game, or I'm sorry, Dallas won two games. They just narrowly eked out a win against the New York Giants. Anyway, what do you think of this one and a half point line? I saw this open in some spots at Arizona minus two and a half. And I think it's a lot of public money coming in on Dallas. We see this a lot of times when the Cowboys play just being as popular as they are. And you mentioned all the reasons to like Arizona. I think we're in lockstep as far as the betting markets go. Yeah, so do I. And look, there's a lot of different things that can move lines and there's a lot of misconceptions about what moves them and what doesn't. But what we do know is it's at one and a half right now on game day. And that tells you what you need to know. But don't always just look at line movement as a reason to to be like, oh man, got to fade this team or got to load up on this spot. There's a lot of contributing factors. Uh, Arizona, Kyler Murray, $7,300. His rushing prop, by the way, Matt, is uh, north of 40. It's at 42 and a half, which has certainly added to his both his floor and his ceiling this season. He has uh, three games of 65 plus rushing yards. And that's been a, that's been a huge boon to his success. It really is rushing more than Lamar Jackson this season. What are we doing with Murray? Uh, and we can branch out to the passing game a little bit here. DeAndre Hopkins has been just stellar this season. We thought that his, a lot of people thought that his production would decrease in Arizona. Well, maybe his target share or his targets, sorry, have decreased a little bit. 
but the production has still been there. He's still a human joystick, uh, and it's really fun to watch him and Murray put up these type of numbers each week. Yeah, you mentioned it. Murray really hasn't been very efficient without his legs. He's completing 69.5% of his passes, but just 7.2 yards per attempt. Those have increased throughout the year. He was really bad to start the year, so I'm hopeful this is a trend that will continue for him. But we've seen this hurt pass catchers in the past. Like two games ago, DeAndre Hopkins had a game where he went nine targets, seven catches, 41 yards. Like just throwing pure underneath stuff. The people have made fun of this offense, calling it the horizontal raid instead of the air raid. But you mentioned it, Kyler Murray. 296 rushing yards. That's going to be real nice. And he's actually one of the QBs, probably just him and Lamar Jackson that are live for a 100 yard bonus occasionally this year. So that helps a lot. Then Arizona, just as far as pure offensive standpoint, fifth in seconds per play, ninth in plays per game. We know Dallas on the other side is first in both of those metrics. So we should just get a lot of overall play volume like that for Murray and all of his pass catchers. All right, so where do you prioritize DeAndre Hopkins? Try and take this, uh, again, we'll zoom out a little bit here. Uh, Hopkins, $7,900. He's the most expensive player on this slate. I don't think that's a surprise to many. 45% projected ownership right now uh, behind five other players. So he's getting, he, he's right in the same ballpark around like the four, five, and six highest projected owned guys. But he's definitely the highest projected owned player on this Arizona team. Yeah, so my first thought coming into this slate was just looking at the opportunity cost at the various positions. Tight end is huge. If you don't roster Travis Kelsey, you're going to have to roster someone you really don't feel good about. And that works out sometimes. We've seen it work out multiple times in the past, including you mentioned the afternoon slate last week. Then at the running back position, you have Ezekiel Elliott, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Outside of that, do you want to play Kenyon Drake over one of those guys? Do you want to play Devin Singletary over one of those guys? I think not unless you're being a very contrarian, you're taking a contrarian approach, which I think in lowers contest is a bad idea, which brings us to wide receiver. And if you take those approaches where you have Kelsey, Zeke, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, I don't know if you're going to have enough money left over for Hopkins without just completely punting something. Right. And to punt something that, look, you might end up, you might be talking about Demarcus Robinson at 3,300. That's why I think that could be such an integral part to this slate. I'm not saying you're going to need one of those guys like a Robinson at 8% on a two game slate to win, but Matt, it's also very possible with the, with the, the level of really talented elite players on this slate with, you know, legitimate slate breaking upside from Kelsey to Hopkins to Hill to Diggs to Amari Cooper, um, whose price point, by the way, and we'll get there. It's, it, I, I, I can't, but there's Ezekiel Elliott being another one. And then two expense, three expensive quarterbacks in Mahomes, Murray and Allen. Even if you're not playing Hopkins, there, there's still, there's still a pretty good chance that you're going to have to punt someone on this slate. Doesn't have to be three yeah. K, but you're going to have to go cheap somewhere. For sure. And I think given the options we have at running back and tight end, I'm more likely to take that punt approach at wide receiver and not get as much of a guy like Deandre Hopkins, as much as I like him and as much as I want to roster him. There's other options at this position. There's Amari Cooper at 5.5K. There's Diggs in the mid-6Ks. I mean, you could look to a bunch of different options. Even, you know, a punt play like John Brown saying he's active. He had 10 targets and six targets in his two healthy games this year. That's a fairly solid target share for a guy at 4K flat. So I don't know. That's my approach right now. In contrarian builds, I certainly will have some Hopkins. It was interesting to not see him among the top three owned plays on this slate. 
If you're stacking Arizona, I think he's far and away the best option you you could possibly consider. So I don't know. I think that's where I'm at right now, though. Do you have a different take? I don't. Uh, it's just tough because this Dallas Cowboys team has been ravaged uh, by opposing offenses. So like, there's so many different ways that, that you can make this work. And, you know, they've allowed just monster yardage totals every game uh, on the ground. And then when teams want to attack them through the air, they've had a pretty easy time doing that as well. How much are you liking the full-out Arizona games team stack and then running it back with even like – and, of course, this is so hard to say because there's only two games. But uh, running it back with with two cheap Dallas players because the – I don't know. I, I just – I'm having a very tough time getting over the owner – or the, uh, the price point on some of these Dallas guys. And it's even more remarkable that they're lesser owned than I thought they would be. I, I guess there really is uh, a decrease in sentiment when it comes to Dak Prescott to, to Andy Dalton. And obviously there should be, but Andy Dalton, could I, let me just say this, Matt, Andy Dalton is not like, he's not your Blake Bortles back. Or, or like I could take it even worse. He's not your Brett Rippin backup. He's not, there's a lot of, he's not your Joe Flacco backup. Andy Dalton with decent pass catching options, I think can still get the job done, but uh, I digress. We'll get there in a moment. What are your thoughts on the run game here? with Kenyon Drake playing his uh, fewest snaps and Chase Evans playing the most snaps of the season last year. Now, Kenyon Drake still outsnapped him, don't get me wrong, and Ke- Chase Edmonds still only saw three attempts on the ground, but he's now been targeted 12 times over his last two games. Meanwhile, Kenyon Drake found his way into the end zone but had a pretty ugly performance. Again, very uh, an underwhelming 3.3 yards per attempt was targeted one time in this game, doesn't have a single start this year with more than two targets and only has two combined over his last three starts. I don't know what to make of this one. Yeah, man, you said everything. I I think this is a big reason why we have such high opportunity costs at the running back position. Are you going to fade Zeke for Kenyon Drake? You could. Kenyon Drake still does have 18.2 opportunities per game. That's 14th in the NFL. You mentioned it trending in the wrong direction with his snap share being a season low. That's a concern. Chase Edmonds looks better. He's a better pass catcher. Those are also both concerns. I, I'd say based on the touches, he is a value, but at the same time, you don't feel good about it, and I don't think you feel good fading Zeke or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in his place. Yeah, the, the, the whole Zeke thing, I can't wait to get to this, but I'll have you wrap up your takes on Arizona here just with, again, a high-scoring game, 27-point implied total for this team. Uh, Christian Kirk is coming in at a pretty discounted price point, saw his highest target total of the season last week at seven. And, you know, progressively has gotten better. One fantasy point in week one, eight in week two, 10.9 in week four, and uh, 12.8 in week five. Matt, maybe maybe this is a blow-up game for Christian Kirk. Who knows? It could. They've been very unpredictable, and he seems to have one or two a year. So maybe maybe this is the spot against a horrific Dallas defense. He's a solid pivot off of a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. I think it'll be contrarian to take a full Arizona game stack just because Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, and Dan Arnold haven't been any good really the entire year. So you should see more ownership concentrated in the main players in Hopkins and Murray. If you want a full game stack this Arizona side, I think that could be a way to approach the DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray plays and remain contrarian. All right. Anything else for Arizona, Matt? I mean, I guess you could look at Dan Arnold. I knew it was coming. I don't want to play Dan Arnold. 
even when he's healthy, he's running a route on about 50 to 60% of dropbacks. So I think I would rather play Tyler Croft. And I, I mean, I don't want to play either of these guys, just to be clear. But we have to talk about them because it's a two-game slate. Yeah, the tight end position is absolutely horrendous. Uh, if you're talking just straight ownership at the tight end position right now, uh, 77% to Kelsey. The next highest on uh, tight end is is 50% less on than him. And that's, of course, Dalton Schultz. We know we know that he's going to be the second highest. Owned. Then it falls off a cliff to, to Arnold and Tyler Croft. So uh, it makes sense, man. Like, that's what you would expect. It's just, it's ugly. And sometimes a tight end position can make a world of difference. Take yesterday's afternoon slate, for example. Like, fading Travis Kelsey is a horrifying thought. But if Travis Kelsey does not have a good game and he comes away with, like, 10 DraftKings points, you could play Schultz or Croft or Arnold. They don't even need to match that. They don't need to do better than that because you're getting – you're opening so much else up at this position where everyone else is paying, and then it makes the rest of your lineup different or at least allows you to get in a higher-priced player. So it's not even that you need Kelsey to be bad and one of these tight ends to be good. You kind of just need Travis Kelsey to be bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you this question as a follow-up. Like, what do you think needs to happen for Travis Kelsey not to be in the optimal lineup? Because this isn't just uh, we have Dan Arnold at 3K and Travis Kelsey at 6K. We have other 3K options into Marcus Robinson. So it's like if you are completely punting a position, I would rather it be Robinson than Dan Arnold. So it's it's kind of twofold in that not only do we have just the one good tight end, but we also have other good punt play options. So I don't know what do you think like Travis Kelsey would need to score like 15 points for this to completely erase the other tight ends? Yeah, I don't well, I don't know because Dalton Schultz is is at least somebody that isn't Dalton Schultz is at least okay, right? And he's had a yeah. couple big games. Granted that was with Dak Prescott at the helm. Uh but yeah, it I guess 15 around that. You know, the the thing too is that this is um this is a spot against Buffalo where Buffalo has struggled against uh, tight ends at times. You know, you saw Mike Gusecki come out there. Granted, they were down two starting linebackers. Uh, and I don't know if Milano is going to play today. I believe he's still questionable, but it, it does feel like a matchup that they could be really solid for, for Travis Kelsey. So in no way, shape or form, Matt, am I suggesting that you fade Kelsey? All I'm saying is if you did fade Kelsey, you don't need Dalton Schultz to go for 20. You just right. need Kelsey not to go for, like you said, maybe 15 or so. And it also depends on if you paid up for, let's say, you, this allows you to get Stefan Diggs instead of Demarcus Robinson, then then that comes into play as well. Yeah, for sure. There's there's certainly ways this fail. And maybe you even could do like a one-for-one one pivot within the Chiefs offense and gain some leverage. You play like Tyreek Hill as your expensive Chiefs pass catcher you play one of the cheap tight ends and Tyreek Hill is just the guy that catches the the touchdowns, which we've seen many, many times. And it very well could happen tonight. All right, let's keep it going. Last team here, hit that thumbs up guys. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, if you're not subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button. Uh, and if you want to, you can hit the notification bell as well. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys hanging out this morning and stick around afterwards it is the Monday morning quarterback strategy show coming up next. Josh Ingeman, Adam Scher, and myself breaking everything down from week six, going on Fantasy Cruncher, taking a look at lineup study, uh, figuring out what people did right, 
what people did wrong, uh, and what can be done differently heading into week seven. Also, Matt Kajewski, our boy right here, him and Kyle Dvorak are going to be doing the uh, Fantasy Football Waiver Wire show. Highly suggest you check that out for all of your season-long lineups, all of your season-long leagues. They're going to make it very simple. All you got to do is listen to them, uh, and your research ends there. It's a beautiful thing, right? Okay, Matt, let's wrap it up with the Dallas Cowboys. I get that Andy Dalton uh, is not Dak Prescott, okay? But usually you see some type of alignment between Vegas totals and, and, and pricing. Like if you take PGA, for example, uh, and I would imagine college sports could be like this too because there's so many obscure teams and players uh, and so much turnover. A lot of times like in PGA, the odds complete, uh, perfectly correlate with their salaries. And you see that in a lot of spots, NASCAR, whatever. In a case like this, I would really think a team with a 28-point implied total uh, of these four teams, it's the second highest behind only the Chiefs, would not have guys that are this cheap. But I know one thing, people are going to be this. I, I guarantee this is what most people are thinking, and they could definitely be right. But how many times have we thought things were going to happen this season and it hasn't even been close, especially with the Dallas Cowboys? People are thinking, well, with, without Dak Prescott, they're just going to lean on the run. They're just going to lean on the run. Uh, and Ezekiel Elliott with his 89 and a half yard rushing prop is going to do all the work. Well, in a perfect scenario, sure, fantastic move. What happens if they fall behind again for the 19th time this season and, and Andy Dalton's forced to throw at 5,200 to Amari Cooper, who's 5,500, or maybe to CeeDee Lamb, who's 58, or Michael Gallup, who's 4,700, or even Dalton Schultz at 4,300? I've said enough, but I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm not just going to assume that, yep, they're going to ride Zeke till the wheels fall off. That's the game plan. We're sticking to it. Well, good luck, McCarthy, if you fall behind by two scores, as has happened in every single week this season almost. That's never been McCarthy's thing. He's never been the guy that just pounds the ball. No, the look back. at the difference between Lafleur in, in Green Bay now and how he utilizes his running backs compared to Mike McCarthy's sheer underutilization. Sorry. No, man, you're exactly on it. And Kellen Moore, he's calling the plays, but Mike McCarthy is an offensive-minded head coach. He definitely is having some say in what goes on. And there's, there's things to like about Dallas. We like their pace. They're number one in place per game. They're number one in seconds per play. It's not all going to the running backs either. You know, guys like we've talked about CeeDee Lamb on here multiple times and how his target share, while it's sub 20%, he has more raw targets than guys like Marquise Brown, than guys like Odell Beckham, who have way, way more fragile target shares than CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb's is lower, but he's seeing more consistent targets on a week-to-week basis. The same thing goes for Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So seeing them all below 6K is pretty egregious to me. And I mean, Andy Dalton is not a bad quarterback. I honestly think Andy Dalton's better than like Drew Locke. Like Andy Dalton's probably around QB 28 in the NFL. Right. And that QB eight has, you know, one, what, top five set of offensive weapons? Yeah, if not better. Be- better, yeah. So I-, I don't know, at 52, here's the way I see it. Should he be cheaper than all the other quarterbacks? Yes. Uh, should he be $2,000 cheaper than Kyler Murray? I don't know about that. Uh, he, he's just got a, a stable of, of pass catching options that can, that he doesn't need to be great. And somebody said primetime Dalton is garbage. Yeah. I mean, fine, fine. Okay. I don't do that they, narrative stuff. 
Yeah, the Bengals are garbage at any time, right? And, and nobody's sitting here pretending like Andy Dalton uh, is the second coming of Joe Montana. Very simply put, they're discounted, and I actually thought that a lot of these guys would be getting more ownership than they are uh, at these price points. And, of course, roster construction plays into that. You don't necessarily need to go all the way down to the bottom. But, uh, yeah, if I have some Dalton lineups with Amari Cooper and, and maybe even Schultz, but like Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, you better believe I'm not going to be afraid uh, to play those lineups, Matt, even though I love Ezekiel Elliott, if this game gets away from them, we know what's going to happen. I agree with you. And I think there's a lot of reasons to like Dallas past game too. Like how is Arizona going to be able to generate pressure today? I know Dallas is a banged up offensive line. They do get Cam Irving back tonight, but Arizona's entire pass rush is driven by Chandler Jones and he's on IR now. Right. Yeah. That's just a, a, another wrench into the works when it comes to, how you approach this team. So let me ask you this then. What are you doing with Dallas? What do you feel most comfortable with? And what do you feel uncomfortable with, but you're still willing to do it? I'm willing to take a lot of Dallas shares tonight. I think Ezekiel Elliott, even with us liking the pass game a lot, is still one of the best backs to play on this late. I'm I'm okay, honestly, playing, I guess you'd call it a team stack in this spot because it's a, a two-game slate. But if you play Dalton, Zeke, and Amari Cooper, I'm willing to take on that negative correlation in the context of a two-game slate, just given their prices and how much we expect Dallas to score. Like, Dallas has the second-highest implied team total, but they're getting a fraction of the ownership of some of these other teams. I know, and that's what doesn't make sense to me. That's, that's me what we both, we both said. That's what doesn't make sense. Um, Matt, Andy Dalton has a, a passing yard prop at 289 and a half. That's a high number. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's the same as Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler Murray has a, has a slightly higher touchdown prop. But, you know, just look at some of these numbers and tell me if a guy that has a passing yard prop of almost 300 yards should be $5,200. Probably not. Uh, one more thing I wanted to ask you just from, and, and I, this is not something that we ever have to, that I think we should ever look too far into. Um, but as I mentioned yesterday, with somebody like Terry McLaurin, I'm less worried about a James Bradbury treatment with him because there's nobody else on that team to, to reliably throw to. Uh, and he, he didn't have a great, I think he had seven for 76, but still like still was targeted a ton, still hauled in seven catches, 76 yards. It's not winning you tournaments, but it wasn't terrible. Um, with other teams, for example, like this, um, like this, this Dallas team, you've seen Dak Prescott, with a willingness to go anywhere else. If Amari Cooper is covered and he's not getting open, he'll go to CeeDee Lamb. He'll go to Michael Gallup. He'll go to Schultz. He'll go to Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game. Uh, is there anyone that you think benefits most from a matchup here? Uh, I don't anticipate there being shadow coverage anywhere to begin with, but I did want to ask you if this is a, a spot that you think anyone has a distinct advantage. I don't think so. Are you worried about Patrick Peterson? Yeah, but I, I first of all, as far as Peterson goes, I don't see any I don't see any shadow coverage here, but he's also not been good uh, right. this season. I, I still like to look at somebody from you know uh, their body of work outside of just four or five games, which is why I, I ask about this. Um, but no, ultimately he hasn't been good, and he's lined up on the left side, seventy three percent of snaps this year. Uh, Dallas is is definitely going to move these guys around. 
but no, not worried about him. Just curious on how you break down these matchups because, as we saw with Dak and we'll likely see with Dalton, they don't have to force it to anyone. They have so many options in this passing game. Yeah, they don't have to, and sometimes they will. Like, wasn't it Amari Cooper that had 15 targets against Jalen Ramsey in week one? Um, yeah, but it was also Amari Cooper – um, you know, last year they didn't have a single catch and only one target against Xavier Howard. And, or no, it wasn't Xavier Howard. Uh, it was uh, Mar- Mark, was it Lattimore? Either way, you get the point. They will go, yeah. sometimes they'll force it, but other times he will just completely go away uh, from, from his guys. Wasn't, oh, uh, Bradbury last week, New York Giants, uh, four targets, two receptions for 23 yards for Amari Cooper. Yeah, C.D. Lamb conversely had 11 targets, if I'm not mistaken. There you go, yeah. Yeah, so you can consider these things. I'd say they're more tiebreakers. They're not huge considerations for me. But in this case, we do have a lot of Dallas pass catchers that are priced almost identically, aside from Gallup, who's a bit cheaper. But CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are very close in price. If you want to use that as a tiebreaker, I think it makes sense. CeeDee Lamb is kind of the more versatile player. They're using him a lot in the slot. And they'll use all these guys in the slot a little bit, but that's primarily where CeeDee's been playing. All right. Um, (laughs) Dylan says, we have three of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the NFL in this slate, and y'all want to play Dalton. Nope, just more or less talking about how he's cheap and he's got a ton of guys to – We have three of the best fantasy quarterbacks on the slate, and then we have Kyler Murray. (laughs) But, like, from a probability standpoint, if you're not not looking at that, then – I don't know what to tell you, Matt. I, I don't I don't want to run too long with this. By the way, listen to all our shows uh, in podcast form if you haven't done so. If you don't want to go on YouTube and look at our ugly faces, go straight to any podcast platform. They almost certainly will carry our shows. Uh, but no, like you you don't you don't need to be the best to have a you know five, top five percent game is the kind of the thing here, Matt. Right. I mean, did you like Matt Ryan yesterday? I'm sure a lot of people did. A lot of people didn't. And at the end of the day, he came out with a good outcome. It's not always a talent thing. It's about price and what you can do with the rest of your lineups too. And when we get these players in good situations, like say Andy Dalton has a great outcome and it's 90% of what like Kyler gives you. Is that 90% outcome worth the 2K in salary you're saving to like, get you DeAndre Hopkins or get you whoever the, the other guy is? Right. I'd love to have Alex uh, Osimo on, on to talk about this for a minute. Uh, and, you know, there's a very good chance he's just like, no, I don't want Andy Dalton either. It's possible, you know. Uh, but Andy Dalton's still projected for – Andy Dalton's still projected for basically the same ownership as Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. He's at 20%. That price point is going to move the needle, Matt. There's simply no question about it. I think so, too. I think so, too. All right. Final thoughts before we wrap this up. Floor is yours. I think the most important key to the slate – is what you do with those high leverage positions, the positions that carry a lot of opportunity costs, running back and tight end. That's been my first decision point of the slate. Am I going to eat the chalk on Clyde Edwards, Slayer, Ezekiel Elliott, and Travis Kelsey? Or am I going to take a stand on one of these guys? Right now, I'm leaning towards eating it. We'll see how this day shapes up. I like that there's value at all these positions that I think you can still get a little bit different with, with eating that chalk at those positions. That'll do it for us. Thanks for hanging out, guys. We've got uh, oh, we got 600 people watching on a strategy show in the morning. Awesome. Appreciate you guys joining us. We love it, man. And uh, hopefully everyone has a phenomenal night tonight. Like I said, Matt, I'm going to start painting that room. I'm going to post the TV up in there. And I'm going to make it happen. You know? We're going to kill two birds with one stone. 
Uh, we're going to keep people from being pissed off at me. Sometimes, sometimes that matters, you know. All right, guys. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here soon. Stick around. Five minutes. The strategy show Monday morning quarterback breaking everything down from yesterday's slate of 11 games is coming up. We'll see you back here on Thursday's morning strategy show. Matt Kajeski, myself, Dave Lockhart. We'll see you.